the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Gypsy Christian Hour. I'm your host, Sam Nicholas, and we'll be with you for the next hour. And I just want to take this time right now to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I hope you're enjoying this holiday season and especially the blessing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who we celebrate his birth tonight, today. Well, let's open the program with prayer as we always do. So take a moment right now, wherever you are, and just pray with me, pray for the program. Father, we come before you, Lord, in this joyous night. We come before you thanking you, Lord, for the greatest gift that's ever been given to humanity. Lord, you sent your son, you sent your precious son to be born in a cave, Lord, just in a stable. He was born in a stable that we might have eternal life. Thank you for fulfilling every prophecy that was ever prophesied about the coming Messiah. Thank you for sending your son, Lord. And I just pray, Father, for this next hour. That your Holy Spirit would lead us, guide us, and just take over, Holy Spirit. Do all that you desire to do. I pray a special blessing upon each and every listener tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, you're listening to the Gypsy Christian Hour. I'm your host, Sam Nicholas. And usually I would tell you to call in with your prayer requests and call in with your questions. But as it is Christmas, we are pre-recording this program. So you're listening to a pre-recorded program. So there'll be no caller. There'll be no call-in number tonight. So... Uh, just wait for a week, and we'll be back here next week, God willing, and we'll be able to take your calls then for your prayer requests, for your Bible questions. But until then, if you have a prayer request, uh, or if you have a Bible question, you could email me your prayer request, and we will be praying this week for your prayer request. You can email me at Sammy N L A. That's S A M M Y N as in Nancy L A. dot K K L A at Gmail dot com. Uh, we'll be praying for your prayer request. So if you if you have a prayer request and you need to be prayed for, and we all need to be prayed for, you can send me an email. We'll be praying for your prayer request this week. It's Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y, N like Nancy, L-A dot K-K-L-A at gmail dot com. Well, I hope, like I said, I hope you're having a blessed day. I hope that this Christmas has been one of your best Christmases, uh, even through all that we've been through these last what, year and a half with COVID uh, and everything that's been going on, I know that the Lord is still in charge. The Lord reigns on high. He is absolutely, ultimately, the greatest person you can have in your life. And that's why he sent his son, so that we can have Jesus in our life, that we would be able to give our life to Jesus Christ, that we would be saved for eternity. So I pray God's blessing upon you this, 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 this blessed day. And I pray that you're safe and that you're enjoying your family and that all's going well in your life. Uh, like I said, we're, we're recording this program. And with me tonight, I am blessed to have a very uh, dear friend and pastor, my pastor, Pastor Walter Hofflin, uh, who I tell you every week uh, that we gather together every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 805 North 1st Avenue in the city of Arcadia. That's the Hills Church uh, 805 North First Avenue in the city of Arcadia. And as I tell you, if you're looking for a place 
to call your home, a church to call your home, or a place to visit, you can come visit us at Arcadia Hills Church, uh, 805 North First Avenue in the city of Arcadia, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pastor Walter, welcome, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, Pastor Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad you could take time out of your busy schedule to be here on our show. Uh, so tell us. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell us about the Hills Church. Uh, it's been a while since you've been a guest on our program, uh, and I just want people to know uh, that we're out there. We're, we want to make a difference. We want to be there for the people. You know, this program is here uh, to give people a resource, to give people a place to call. There are so many hurting people, uh, especially this, this late at night, when people are, are, are alone or they're just uh, worried or anxious. And the scripture that I love is, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. The kicker is the result. The result is, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we want to be a resource. As a radio program, a resource for prayer, answering questions, talking about the Bible, just, just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as a church. Fill us in about Arcadia Hills Church. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my wife and I have had the honor of being pastors for, boy, we're ending about six years, getting ready to go on year seven. And so anyways, uh, what a joy because I grew up in the San Gabriel area, having moved down from Oregon when I was young, and getting to be back in the area where I grew up, meeting people, seeing the community change, and the opportunity to see lives. You moved here from what, South Carolina? From North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. So, um, hey, even gathering back. You know, one of the one of the great things that happened was when we gathered back after COVID to see people being together. You know, we did you were you were there the night we had a open house just mm-hmm. to get everybody back and though you guys brought in the ice cream and everybody <laughs> stayed in the parking lot, there you couldn't tell everybody to leave. They wanted to be with one yeah. another. That was a it was the sign of the early church. You know, of them gathering together, being with one another, praying for one another breaking bread together, going house to house. So I want to encourage anybody that's looking uh, for a church, we would sure encourage you. But on this Christmas, we encourage you to reach out to Jesus. Amen. Doesn't matter the hurt. Doesn't matter what you're going through. He is there. And all you need to do is call out to him even right now, and he will answer you. So again, I appreciate Great opportunity to be here again Amen. with all of your listeners. You know, we're blessed in Southern California with so many mega churches. You know, Greg Laurie has the church out in Riverside and in Orange County, and my friend Pastor Steve Wilburn has a church out uh, in on the west side. We're blessed with so many mega churches, but it's hard to be a family in a mega church. The thing I love about the Hills Church is we are a family. We know everybody knows everybody, and it's just a community of family. Everybody feels so at home in in our church. Uh, so if you're looking for that, in fact, a friend of mine who who was going to a, a, a bigger church, a mega church, uh, when I told him about the Hills Church, you, you, you know Scott, uh, he was going to a different church where he did not feel as the intimacy, the, the family uh, orientation kind of thing. And he came to Hills Church, and he's been with us ever since. And that's what I love about the Hills Church. You know, Michelle says it almost every week. You know, uh, she loves seeing, I love seeing your face, <laughs> she says at the end of church every week. And we are a family. And if that's what you're looking for in a church, if that's what you're looking for in a community, you know, the Hills Church is a perfect place uh, to visit and then hopefully make your home. Absolutely. In fact, the two comments we hear was, I was so welcomed when I came in, mm. and I felt peace. Yeah. And so, again, we think that's a great, great description. You know, I always tell uh, people who are doing the greeting or, or the, the ushers, you know, you're the first person mm-hmm. that people uh, uh, see uh, when they come to church. And the attitude that you have <laughs> kind of lingers. So if you have a good welcoming you know, we'd love to see you. Thank you for coming. And just, just shake a hand and, and, and welcome people. It's, it's the first impression. 
you're the first impression that people have when they come to church, and it's so important. And I love that we have people out in the parking lot, you know, right. in front of the church, you know, say waving hi and, and welcoming people to church and then welcoming them into the in the door. You know, it's just you just got to have that. You have to have that welcome feeling when you go to church, or it's just not church. Right. That's right. You know, uh, I'm sure you know that uh, that everybody does their best to to welcome people. And just to make the church a family event, and that's where it's got to be. Yeah, amen, amen. It was funny, these last two Sundays, you know, December's always a big month in church. First Sunday of December, our power was out in church <laughs> for two hours in the community, and so we went for, you know, but I always remember hearing a pastor one time say, you'll determine the church based on when the power gets unplugged because it shows you what you depend on. Yeah. And then this last Sunday, all of our worship team was sick. We found <laughs> out about two hours before service. But we were able to pull off something, but people worshiped. Yeah. And so, again, I always look at that. Uh, we come comes down to the heart, comes down to the worshiper, comes down where two or three are gathered. He'll be there. And so, anyways, we're, we're blessed. God has, been, God has been good Amen. to us. You know, the thing... The thing that you need to look for in a church, the three things, is prayer, praise, and preaching. Those are the three elements that I think are the most important in a church uh, as far as how a church functions. You have to have a church that is willing to pray. You know, if you need prayer, you know, like this, this, this program, you know, if you need prayer, if you know somebody needs prayer, let's get into prayer. And the Hills Church is a praying church. And then the Hill, you know, I, we were in church uh, a few weeks ago. And the entire service was just worship. You need that. Mm -hmm. We experience the intimacy with our Lord when we're in worship. You know, I think of Isaiah, who was uh, who came before the Lord, and he he was worshiping, and he said, "You know, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips." And the angel took the coal from the altar and touched his lips, and he was changed. You know, there's change in the presence of a holy God. I love that song. Amen. There is change. You cannot come out of the presence of the Lord without being changed. And, you know, we are to be changed. We are to be sanctified. Uh, uh, Paul tells us that if anyone be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. We want that change. We want God to do that. And it comes, a great part of that is in worship. You know, you never come out of true worship the same person. There's always something that the Lord does in that, in that time that you're intimate with him because he wants to be intimate with all of us and that time comes in worship. That's and right. then, of course, the preaching. You know, it's so important. We've got so many churches out there that are not preaching the word of God. You know, they're not preaching uh, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We've, we've had uh, run-ins with all kinds of uh, uh, cultic doctrines. You know, uh, I think of hyper-grace and all this stuff that's going on and, and, and all kinds of things. I don't want to mention them all. But uh, there's so many false doctrines out there. We need the true word of God. We need to be encouraged. We need to be built up. We need to be edified. We need to be strengthened in the word of God. And I see that all every Sunday with your sermons. You know, I, and I mention this all the time when I, I was pastoring another church. And I remember on this particular Wednesday night, I was starting in the book of Joshua, and I felt like I read the entire half hour of the Bible. Mm. I had so many people come up and comment on the sermon. And I remember thinking, I really didn't say any words, <laughs> but I read the scriptures. Yeah. And I think that's what becomes powerful is it's God's word. Anything we say after what he says mm -hmm. is we're just adding to it. We want to make sure that we always preach his word. Amen. Amen. Well, do you have a message for us tonight? I do, yes. And again, everybody, Merry Christmas. So glad that you're tuned in and listening to this. Um, and again, it's a, it's a joy and an honor uh, to do this. In fact, my title, if you can just remember, The Promise. And I thought about this, Sam. Do you remember what you got for Christmas last year? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but you know what no. you remember sometimes is what you gave. Yeah, always. always. You always remember what you give. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I don't remember what I got, but mm -hmm. I remember what I give. And I'm waiting to see the face of whatever they opened because I want to see the surprise. Now, when your kids get older, like mine are older, mm -hmm. it's so hard now because pretty much they give you a list of what they want. Right. But when they were little, you knew what to get. You knew that if they just, once they opened it, you remember exactly what you gave. Yeah, the, the, the best feeling in the world 
are one of the best feelings in the world is, is, is Christmas morning when the kids, when they were little, and we would tell them, you know, hold off, you can't come in the front until we're ready, you know, and everything would be ready, everything would be set out, and seeing their faces, you know, when they would come out and see what was under the tree. And, you know, I'll ask my daughter, I, I asked her uh, a while back ago, what was the best Christmas you ever had? And it was when she got her dog, when she mm. got her puppy. She remembers that Christmas. And that's, that, that's a fun thing. You, you, you lose that when they get older, of course. Right, right. You know, they're not going to be as anxious. But uh, seeing a child's face receiving a gift on Christmas is a joy. Mm-hmm. It made me think of our Heavenly Father that morning that Jesus was born. Mm. And just, again, as much as uh, we gave that gift what it must have felt like for him, for Jesus. Well, think about the shepherds in the, in the field. Think of the, it says that the, the, they were in the field and the angel came in and all of a sudden there were a multitude of angels singing and rejoicing, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And it was a joyous occasion. Even though I believe they knew what was coming, you know, uh, the, 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 the crucifix, the, the, the cross, you know, they knew that, that that was that was in the future. The joyous time of the Son of God being born, even though it was in a cave or a stable. You know, a lot of people say he was born in a manger. He was placed in a manger. That's right. He was placed in a manger, but he was born in a stable. And the joy of all of heaven rejoicing is just amazing. And I just want to remind you, you're listening to the Gypsy Christian Hour. Uh, we're uh, taping this for you. It's pre-recorded. So we're spending the hour just talking about Christmas, talking about uh, what the Lord has done for us. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for making us a part of your Christmas day, even though it's uh, after 12 already. Uh, we want to thank you. You're listening to the Gypsy Christian Hour. I'm your host, Sam Nicholas. And with me, my guest tonight is Pastor Walter Hoffman of the Arcadia Hills Church. Yeah, so uh, as I was preparing for December and messages, and I remember picking up my Bible, and I remember thinking... There are 66 books written by 40 authors in three different languages. It describes three different continents over a period of 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's amazing when you think of that. Yeah. How can that happen? (laughs) The laws of statistical probability is, is amazing. I mean, it's just impossible for all of that to come together in 66 different books with the same message. The same message, the central message. Without any contradictions. Moses doesn't contradict anything Paul would say. Paul doesn't contradict anything that Isaiah said. Everything flows. All the prophecies that were made of the Messiah. Think of this. Could Jesus have fulfilled those prophecies on his own? He couldn't say, I want to be born in Bethlehem. Right. He, he, he didn't make the Romans bring crucifixion right. uh, as, a, as, a, as a punishment, as, as a form of, of, of capital punishment. He had no power over so many different things as a man, but yet all these things came to be, and every prophecy of the Messiah, over 600 prophecies in the Old Testament, were fulfilled through Jesus Christ. I mean, when you think about it, in fact, I thought about this. He's still the most talked about name and mm-hmm. person in the world. Yeah. The, our Bible is still the one that was, it's the highest selling book of all time. It's distributed further than any other book. And again, it has that central theme of Jesus Amen. for each and every one of us. Think of this. Every other religion in the world wants to include Jesus somewhere in their belief. Uh, the Jews say he was a, a, a great teacher. Uh you know, in, in Islam, they, they call him a prophet. He's not as great as Muhammad, but they always include Jesus as a prophet. And every other religion will give you a little bit of Jesus. They all want to include Jesus. Why? Because he is the Son of, God. the Son of God. Even though they don't recognize it, even though they don't give him credit for being who he is, he is so amazing, so world-known, so preached, so talked about that every other religion in the world, world religions, will include a little bit of Jesus in their religion. And they can't get past his teaching and his love and his patience for people. 
And yet that's where we come back. In fact, when I'm, when I'm reading this and I think of the promise, we have to remember even at the fall of man, God made a promise. That's right. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In fact, I sometimes like to think of it as the first part of the gospel. It, it's right? called the proto-evangel. Right. And it reads this. In fact, here's what God says as a curse over the serpent. And he says, I will make you and the woman enemies to each other. Your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. Mm-hmm. He says, but one of her descendants will crush your head and you will bite his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I had thought about that because I thought one of the descendants now is going to crush the head of Satan himself. But he didn't know who that would be. You know, he didn't know. He, maybe it was Abel, mm-hmm. you know. And had Cain rise up and, well, it wasn't Abel. Maybe it was Seth. It wasn't Seth. All the way down the line, right. he did not know exactly who it was going to be. In fact, we read even in Corinthians that it alludes to had the rulers of this age known. Now, many people believe that that was the Jewish rulers. They wouldn't have crucified him. No, that was the demonic. Because mm-hmm. really what Satan would have done, if they would have known the power Jesus would have had in his death and resurrection, they would have left him alone. Yeah. Let him live a hundred years. Let him do the miracles he wants to do. They, but they, Satan wanted to end it. But the minute he thought it was crushed, it was just a strike to Jesus' yeah. heel. And he rose again. Yet we go back to that promise that God said in Genesis 3 that one would come. You know, and it made me think about if, if we were to do a timeline of through the Bible, how patient God has been. You know, we read, uh, even in, in second, First and Second Peter, we read that God is so long-suffering that he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to have an opportunity to hear about his son Jesus, yeah. to accept Jesus. You know, it's amazing that the proto-evangel, uh, Genesis 3.15, prophesies the first prophecy of the Messiah. But then John 3.16 <laughs> is the fulfillment. For God so loved the world that he gave Amen. his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. You know, I don't believe in coincidences in the, in the Bible. Right. No, no. <laughs> you know, even though there were chapters and verses, God knew exactly where to put his prophecy and his, fulfill, his fulfillment. And something I thought of many years ago, the scripture you're talking about, how Jesus was bruised on his heel where did that bruise come from? I think that bruise came from crushing the head of Satan. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. You know, I don't believe that it was the cross. You know, it, you know, the cross was the most excruciating uh, death that they could give any criminal, and Jesus, uh, he, he went through, be, you know, beyond what we can imagine, uh, the pain and suffering that he went through on the crucifix. But I believe he bruised his heel crushing this, the, the head of Satan, you know? And I think that's, uh, that, that's something we should, we should remember, you know, as we celebrate Christmas. You know, it's not just Jesus being born. He was born to die. That's right. He was born to die on the crucifix. We, we can't have Resurrection Sunday. We can't have Easter no. without Christmas. Right. But Christmas should always remind us of the coming celebration of his resurrection. Yeah, and I went back and I was going through, you know, the... Promise scriptures that we all know, we hear this time of year. Isaiah seven fourteen, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel being God with us. So we read this. Isaiah prophesies this. There's going to be a sign. A virgin, uh, the impossible is going to happen. That's what God has done, though. He's always done the impossible, and he's made it happen. We read in Micah, Micah even tells us where he's going to be born. He says, you Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me. We read it again, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to think that he was, it wasn't just that he's dropping breadcrumbs. He was using his prophets to proclaim. Isn't it interesting that the only ones that were that heard of Jesus' birth? Now we know that the wise men 
had already been traveling. Right. Right? But the shepherds now are the ones that were alert and they were awake. They were watching over their flocks. So when we read these verses, it's so clear to us to go back and to read, well, it lets us know a virgin's going to conceive. It lets us know it's going to be born in Bethlehem. But nobody was waiting on that. Nobody was expecting it. But the ones that got the message were the ones that were alert and awake Amen. and then made haste. Right. As soon as it was over, as soon as the, the, the angels finished proclaiming his birth, they said, let us go see this wondrous thing. And, you know, I think of what, what you're saying about uh, who, who was watching, who was waiting. When the Magi showed up and they went to, was it Herod? Went to Herod first. They went to Herod first. And he said, where has the king of the Jews been born? He had to inquire, and they had to go look in Scripture. Nobody was waiting. Nobody no. it wasn't on their, it, was, it wasn't on the forefront of their minds. They weren't anxiously waiting. And not to change the subject, I think of us today. Jesus said he's coming back. There are prophecies and prophecies and prophecies of his return, his ultimate return. Are we anxiously awaiting? Is this desire at the forefront of our brain, in our minds, are we anxiously awaiting? Are we looking around us in the world, seeing what's happening in the world today, and are we see, seeing the, 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 the things being put in place for Jesus' return? His return is imminent. It's around the corner. He can come back at any time. No, no scripture needs to be fulfilled. There's no scripture, no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. He's not waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled. He's waiting on the time. I love what, what Peter says, that God is not slow in his promise, promises, but he's waiting. Right. He's giving us a chance. He's giving you, the listener. You know, if, you're, if you haven't given your life to Christ, he's giving you the opportunity right now. He's, he isn't slow in his promises. He hasn't not come back, not returned, because he's waiting around for something. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to give your life to him so that all who would believe in him should not perish and have, but, but have eternal life. You know, are we anxiously awaiting? Are we going to be like the shepherds? Right. Or are we going to be like King Herod who, right. who didn't care? Who, he, he, he hated the idea that, a king, that the king of the Jews was being born, and he wanted, he wanted all the babies killed. Two years and less. He didn't want to. Do we want Jesus to return? Are we looking forward to the rapture? Are we looking forward to the return of the King of Kings? Are we looking forward to eternity? Is eternity at the forefront of our, of our, of our spiritual life? You know, and that's something that needs to be instilled in people's hearts. We need that reinstilled in our hearts to be anxiously awaiting his return. See, Herod asked the scribes. Right. Who should have known this? <laughs> <laughs> they should have right? known. Yeah. The ones that had no idea yeah. were the ones that he came to, right? Because they were alert, awake. In fact, they ran and made haste, left the sheep. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, and that's the thing. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, you'll leave things behind. Yeah. Because what's ultimately of value and what ultimately changes your heart is him. Amen. I think of the apostles. How many of them left behind everything? You know, uh, we, we, we think of Peter, uh, but we don't realize he was a thriving businessman. He had his own fishing business. John and James had their own fish. They, they were fishermen. They, they, weren't, they, weren't out with a, they, they weren't out with like a fishing rod. Right. They went out Boats. with nets, and they, were, they, they, they gathered. You know, they, this was an industry. You know, Matthew left his tax collecting desk, and that was a very lucrative job, you know, uh, they left and it. Luke, even though he's not a not a disciple, but right. followed along, we know that he was a doctor. Yeah. Again, we don't know if he left that to follow along or or whatever. Yeah, I don't think he could have. I, I don't think he could have written the Book of Acts no. while practicing medicine. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, they they all left their old lives behind, and never went back to them after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I read a book once, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it tells you where all the – because we hear about uh, Peter and we hear about James. We don't hear about Matthew. We don't hear about Nathaniel. We don't hear about the other apostles. But they all went to different places. Some went as far as India and different countries. Right. And they kept on ministering the word of God. 
They spread the gospel. They, they never went back to their old lives. They had a new life in Christ, and that life was to preach the gospel and to bring salvation to as many as possible. Right. But when we go back and we look at um, how God made all of this happen, and even, uh, we, we, we won't go into this long, we could take hours tonight and go through to connect the dots of Joseph, <laughs> who's the stepfather. There's right. no blood involved. There, there's no right. intimacy with Mary. And then Mary, who is a virgin that will conceive. But if we go back through, what's interesting when I read the Bible is in Genesis 5, all of those generations are going to die, and there's only going to be eight people left, mm-hmm. Noah and his family. Right. So think about all everybody on planet Earth being gone, and now you have eight, but you still have a promise. And God's going to work all throughout this time to make sure that Joseph, who's going to come through the line of David, and Mary, that's going to come through the tribe of Judah, are going to be the ones that come together, but not in a normal husband-wife intimate way, Mm -hmm. that Mary's going to stay a virgin and conceive because she has child. What's the probability of that working out? It's, it's, It's astronomical. It's astronomical. Do you think about everything that had to happen in order for the bloodline of Jesus to go back to David, to go back to, to Judah? The promise of God had to be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled through Jesus. And most people don't do this. I, I always I love reading through Matthew chapter 1 Amen. and then Luke, and we'll come back to that here in just oh, a minute. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody that you're listening to the Gypsy Christian Hour. We're a pre-recorded show tonight. Uh, coming to you on Christmas, the end of Christmas, uh, the end of Christmas Day. And I'm so glad you could be with us. My special guest tonight is Pastor Walter Hoffman of the Arcadia Hills Church. Yeah, so I was thinking about this. Most people, when you read Matthew 1, nobody wants to read through the genealogy. Right. right? Everybody, like, skip. They might pull like, out a couple names. Yeah, it's like skipping numbers yeah. <laughs> and Leviticus. Uh, and, you know, it's like it's so tedious, right? You have King James, it's the begots, right? <laughs> well, then you go in Luke chapter 3, and it's interesting that Luke does it a little bit later. Mm-hmm. He goes all the way back to Adam. Matthew starts with Abraham, but mm-hmm. it goes down. But there's some characters in those lists. Yeah. You know, I, I remember we were talking about this. There's four women in there. Mm-hmm. Three of them weren't the uppity-ups. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they, there, there were some, like you said, there were some interesting characters. Uh, we, talk about, we talked about Ruth. We talked about Rahab. And, Tamar. And Tamar, who I think was the worst one <laughs> right, of them all. Right. You, know, but they're listed you have to in know there. the stories. You, yeah. you have to be reading your Bible. And you see that the character of these women that wasn't so great, but a great God used them. Used them. And, you know, we got to go back too, right? So it's not the latest, the guy, it's David. Mm. You know, it's all of, all of these ones. You even look at Abram and Sarah. when Abram, They laughed at God's promise, yeah. right? It was like a, a joke that he would use them. But here's what's so interesting that even, even with, in fact, that's why Jesus came Israel's sin couldn't stop the Messiah from coming. Amen. Israel breaking the covenant of God couldn't stop God from fulfilling his covenant. And that's why I think it's so important for everybody that's even listening to know, you know, many times people think I've done so many bad things that God could never turn me around and change my life. There's nothing that you've done that he cannot forgive tonight. Amen. The thing to do, though, is not to keep running from him, but turn around and run to him. God is always faithful to his covenant. He was always so patient over all of these hundreds of years to fulfill his promise, and he'll do that same thing for you. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I, I think of what you were saying. There's nothing that you've done that Jesus cannot forgive. And in the word, in the Bible, there's two words that always come with salvation. Repent and believe. Yes. Or believe and repent. repent. Those two words always go together. We need in our life to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he, would, says he is. He, he says, in, I think it's in John 
uh, if you don't, do not believe I am who I say I am, you will die in your sins. Well, you can die in your sins or you can die in Christ. And there's nothing that we've ever done in our life that Jesus cannot forgive. Just take those, those, those three or four women that you were talking about. Tamar, she tricked her father-in-law, uh, and we know what happened. Right. Uh, Ruth was not of the tribe of Israel. She was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. And she married into a Jewish, uh, but she was one of the most, her character was one of the most beautiful characters. In the, there's a book all about her in the Bible. Can you imagine that? There's a book in the Bible that has nothing to do right. with, 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 with a Jewish, this was a Moabite woman who God elevated to, a way of, to, to the place of putting her in the Bible. Rahab the and harlot, the Rahab right? the harlot. She's called Rahab. She's in Jericho. Yeah. But she, she, tur- she repented. Yeah. She, well, she, she believed in God. She repented from her ways. She married uh, a, a Jew and became part of Israel. We are the bride of Christ. Those who God have cho- has chosen, those who God has saved, we are the bride of Christ. We marry into, into, into Christianity. We come into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way he brought Tamar, the way he brought Ruth, the way he brought uh, uh, Rahab Bathsheba in, into the family of God, in Bathsheba, you know, uh, because of Bathsheba, David sinned. Uh, the sin of adultery and murder. Right. I mean, that's pretty bad. <laughs> it doesn't, get much, it doesn't yeah. get much worse than that. You know, suffered the consequences of his sin, but ultimately, what does God say about him? A man after my own heart. Right. Why? Because he loved the Lord. And I, I think of when he repented, he didn't say, Lord, don't take Bathsheba away from me. Don't take my kingdom away from me. He said, do not take your Holy Spirit. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. That's the intimacy that David shared in his relationship with God. And then Solomon reflects back in Proverbs on his mother. Mm-hmm. When I was tender in the sight of my father and my mother. mother yeah. used... there's, there's, you know, if anybody think, you know, if it, people who don't read the Bible think the Bible's boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But if you read the Bible, there's so much stuff going on in the Bible. I mean, uh, if you like adventure you know there's adventure in the bible if you like mystery there's mystery in the bible if you like uh who done it a murder and stuff it's all in the bible but why is it there to bring us to redemption right to bring us to the place where we will believe and repent you know you you, you talked about turning around turn stop running from god and start running toward god that's repentance you know, to repent means to turn around and right. go in a different direction. And it's that's the heart of the gospel, to believe and repent. And I, that's what I thought. If I can trust that God will keep his promise in just sending Jesus mm. through this entire line of misfits, right, and rejects, and people that thought, if he can be faithful to fulfill... His promise, because he did not waver from Genesis chapter 3. In fact, Revelation 13 lets us know that the Lamb was slain before Mm. the foundation of the world. Because God already knew what was in the heart of man, and he went ahead with it anyways. Well, you see, that's another thing that that we talk about sometimes, predestination. God predestined all these things to happen before they happened. You know, he knew that when he created the universe, he would make a place called Earth, planet Earth, he would create planet Earth to be inhabited by man and that that man would fall into a, a, a sin nature and that that man all of, and everyone that came after him would need a, rede- a redemptor, would need redemption. And it cost him his son, mm-hmm. the second person of the Trinity. And he planned this all out for our sake. Why? You know, it comes down to, to why am I here? Why why am I alive? Well, you're alive because God created you to have an intimate relationship with him. He didn't need us. 
He didn't need to create the universe. God was doing fine. Right, right, <laughs> God was doing right. fine in, 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 with, with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels. Heaven was, was, a, you know, was beautiful before we were even thought of. So God was doing fine. Why did he want to make man? Because he, he, he is a creative right. being. He creates. And he created us in his image to have a relationship with him. But we're trying to fill that void in our life with so many other things, whether it's uh, success, power, wealth, uh, relationships uh, amongst people. We're all looking to be accepted. We're all looking to be welcomed. We're all looking to be admired. But really, nothing can fill that place in our heart. I, I preached in church, uh, what was it, about a year, year and a half ago, a sermon where the, I called Batteries Not Included where God placed a place in our heart, you know, like that empty spot in the toy that's waiting for a battery to, to have power to, to, to fulfill its, its intended purpose. God is waiting to fill our hearts, that, that God-sized hole in our heart, to, to, to empower us to fulfill our God-given place on this earth. And I love uh, a Revelation, I think it's 4.11, that says that we were created for his pleasure. We were created for his pleasure. We were created to have an intimate relationship with him. And we're missing it. Right. So many people are missing right. that intimate relationship with God, looking for everything else in the world that will not fulfill their life to fulfill their life. But the one person was sent, this one person was sent in, uh, on Christmas Day. He was sent on this earth to fulfill your life, mm -hmm. to fill your life, to fill you with, with, with unending fulfillment and, and, and satisfaction. You know, the, the greatest satisfaction, the greatest pleasure I've ever had was in God's presence, was in worship. You know, there's a place in high worship when you're just, when you're just you can be in a, in a church full of people and you're all alone with God. You're just intimate with him and you're just lifting your hands and you're opening up your heart and you're just singing in the spirit. That is just the, 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 the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate fulfillment when you're in God's presence. So many of the prophets uh, write about that. Being, I think of Isaiah. I always think of Isaiah when right. I think of that. You know, They write about being in God's presence. Moses was in God's presence, and he came down from the mountain, and they couldn't look at him because his, 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 his whole right. face was so aglow. They couldn't look at Moses. Why? Because he was in God's presence. He was in God's holy presence. If you want to achieve fulfillment in your life, meet Jesus. Meet up with Jesus. Like Pastor Walter said, repent and believe. Turn around. Stop running from God and start running towards him. Even if you're a Christian, you know, there are so many things in your life right now that's keeping you from a, a, a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's the worries of the world. It's family problems. Whatever's going on in your life, give them to Jesus. Give them to the Lord, because until he's the center of your situation, things are not going to change. You know, uh, I, I, I say that, you know, God doesn't want to be first in your life, because the first place in your life isn't always the first place. There's always other things that, 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 that can come first. It's a number. God doesn't want to be a number. He wants to be at the center right. of your life. And I find that if God is at the center of your life, think of, the, 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 think of our universe. The sun has eight planets, nine planets revolving around the sun. And there's room for all those planets. If Jesus is at the center of your life, there's room for your family. There's room for your wife, your children. There's room for your business and your financial uh, situation. There's room for everything. When it's when Jesus is at the center, and that's when things change. That's when Absolutely. that's when that's when your life will change when Jesus is at the center, and that's the whole message of Christmas. Mm -hmm. Jesus, God sent His Son so that He would be the center of our life. You know, you and I have experienced this. You've had you have even better experiences now. The moment your kids are born, you now understand a different experience with God because mm. you understand the relationship of a father and a child or father-son. Right. Now, there's a different one with the grandparent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they always say, that's even a better experience. But even when those, those kids were little and you brought them home and they cried and they were mm -hmm. up and you didn't sleep and 
your turn, honey. Get up and feed. You know, yeah. let me help you. You wouldn't trade it for a thing. In fact, you are the first one to protect them. Amen. Look out after them. Make sure that, again, they're, they're working in their way, praying for them constantly. Yeah. And I always think of that. Man, Jesus coming, and he's coming out of heaven, and he's going to be placed in the feeding trough of animals. Yeah. There's, there's, you know. Unimaginable. Really, the king of kings, the Lord, the creator of the universe, and he's being put in a feeding trough. Would you tell your grandson, right? Hey, we don't have a place for you, but out back, we have a place. We'll put you in the in the trough. Yeah. No, you would you would rearrange your room. But he was born in that that little you know that manger that cave placed in a feeding trough. The yeah. savior of the world. You know, Pastor, you were at my house not long ago, and you saw the preparation that we did for our grandson. You saw the place that we prepared for him. We did our best to prepare the best place we could to lay our grandson. You know, in a place, you know, that that would be, you know, our greatest desire. But yet, God did not do that. He didn't prepare the best place. There was no palace. There wasn't room at the inn. No. You know, there was no place at the, at, at, at the uh, no, there was no place for him. They, he was born in such a low place. You know, Jesus said himself, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son, Son of Man, man has no place to lay his head. And the humility that God showed in bringing his son on the earth, you know, how can we ever, how can I say this? How can we ever be proud of ourselves? How could we ever, you know, think we're, we're so great? Can, how can anybody take, think they're great? You know, I, I see people, men, in, in powerful positions, and they have such big egos, you know, but yet the Son of God showed no ego. He was born in a cave, placed in a manger. You're listening to the Gypsy Christian Hour. I'm your host, Sam Nicholas. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the program, and my special guest tonight is Pastor Walter Hofflin. And both from both of us, we want to wish you the merriest of Christmases. Uh, it's, a, it's a joyous time, and we're just having a blast right now talking about the Lord and how great and how awesome he is and how we all need him at the center of our life. And I hope that you'll take time to put Jesus at the center of your life. And if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, I hope you'll do it tonight. If you'll if you stop running from, from God and start running towards him, you'll see a change. And we're going to give you that change in just a little while. We're going to give you the opportunity to make that change before we go off the air. So keep listening. We'll be... We'll be uh, uh, extending you the invitation to bring Christ into your life. You know, Sam, one of the last verses in Malachi talks about there's a promise. In fact, the word that is used is that um, one would come that would turn the hearts of the children, fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. In fact, it was used of Elijah. There's a period we call 400 years of silence. Mm. But I always... And I've always said that before, but I always then I looked at it different because God's never been silent. Right. He's never been inactive in our life. He's always active. He's always aware. He never sleeps or slumbers. He knows, in fact, we're called the apple of his eye. He knows the very hairs on our head. He knows everything about us. And so even though we don't see anything happening, we believe and we know that he's at work. So... When he shows up on the scene, now remember, he first comes and sends his angel Gabriel to Zechariah mm-hmm. to let him know, Zacharias, about um, that there's going to be a boy called John that's going to be born. But here's what I want everybody to hear. Here's somebody that's a priest serving for the Lord, that when a promise comes, which again, another one that should know the promises, he doesn't believe that what he's hearing from the angel is even possible. In fact, he questions it. And the angel then lets him know that he's going to be mute now for right. about nine months. Right. right? <laughs> but the one that should have known or that should have at least believed when he got a, got a word did not believe and he was mute. You know, it always lets us know so, sometimes for us that have been following the Lord for a while, we need to remember this, that God is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. 
We should never fall into religious habits. God is not a God of religion. He's a God of relationship. Amen. Right? And so this, the promise is first that one would prepare the way. And his name is John. He'll be filled of the Holy Spirit at birth. Then the promise then comes next to Mary. In fact, Mary startled again. I, I always, when people tell me, you know, um, I saw an angel. I had an angel appear to me. Oh, really? Well, tell me a little bit about it. Were you afraid? No, I wasn't afraid. Interesting, because when I read in the Bible, <laughs> everybody that comes across an angel is so scared, right? right? Or, you know, uh, or people that will say, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to run and I'm going to go give him a big hug. No, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be prostrate on the ground right. and you're going to thank God you made it, right? I did make it. I was believing. So when I, when I read this even about Mary, Mary being, I mean, this is a crazy promise. You're going to have a child. She's not even thinking through all of the ramifications right. of the law with her. Could have been stoned. Yep. Right? That was the law. Joseph, when he gets it, now he gets it through a dream. The Bible says he was troubled. But he's comforted in it. In fact, we know that he was secretly trying to figure out how to put her away right. so that nobody knew. Um, he was trying to figure out how to get out of this. But how God in this situation sent Gabriel the angel to give them both a promise, two babies, one that would prepare the way and one who is the way, the truth, Amen. and the life. You know, it's amazing that God speaks a little bit of the plan. I always think of this, too. I wonder, you know, here Jesus is born. We know that the, uh, um, the shepherds are there. Now, when the wise men show up, it's a good indication. The Bible says they were in a house. So we imagine Jesus being probably two years of age. And the reason that we calculate that is when Herod finds out the wise men don't go back and give him a report, he has all of the male children in that area killed two years and under. Right. Jesus then goes to Egypt. Jesus comes back and they settle in the Galilean area, but in the city of Nazareth to fulfill another promise. But I wonder when did they think, what, when would they know that Jesus, what, what would he do? You're watching him at dinner time. <laughs> You're watching him on the playground. When would they know? In fact, the Bible lets us know it wasn't until he was 30. Right. Which at that age, got to remember, we read all throughout the Bible, David was a young man. Mm -hmm. All these different people young, but we see people that are old. We see Abram, you know, that's used. We see Moses. And yet it was at 30 years old where when he was baptized by John, the one that would prepare the way that the Holy Spirit would come upon him and his ministry would begin that day. But it, but it was foretold back here in Genesis chapter 3 that one would come. It was in God's heart already in Revelation that the Lamb had been slain. But many times I think of this, even an opportunity on Christmas, that though people center in on why we celebrate it, but even a message like this or what we've been sharing, that the Lord has been using us tonight to prepare the way in your heart to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. So, Sam, I, I want to give an opportunity for those that are out there. Please do. And um, so wherever you are, whether you're driving or whether you're in a home or you're in a hotel or you're catching back up on this, we believe in the Word of God that when the Word of God is spoken, that it prepares the heart. In fact, we, we sing that Christmas song, let every heart prepare him Amen. room. Would you tonight, maybe you can bow a knee, maybe you bow your heart, but would you pray these words after me? Father, I believe that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died for me, but he rose again from the dead. I accept him as my Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you tonight for forgiving me of all of my sins. Thank you for bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And you know, Pastor, whoever received the Lord tonight, do you know that the angels... <laughs> All of heaven is rejoicing. If you prayed that prayer of repentance, if you prayed that prayer 
to receive Christ in your heart, the whole of of heaven, angels in heaven are rejoicing over you. You're just that important to the Lord, and you're just that important to us. You know, if you could let us know somehow uh, that you received the Lord tonight, that would really uh, fulfill uh, what the Lord had planned to do with this program. You could write me at, uh, you can email me at sammynla.kkla at gmail.com, or even better, come visit the Hills Church. If you're in the area, if you're in the Pasadena area, Monrovia, Arcadia, uh, anywhere in the San Gabriel Valley, it's not that far, come out and visit us at Arcadia Hills Church every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., 805 North 1st Avenue. That's 805 North 1st Avenue in the city of Arcadia. It's really easy to get to, and we'd love to see you. And let us know that you received the Lord tonight. That would be so great. Also, I want to uh, remind you that starting in January, uh, January the 7th, uh, I will be starting a uh, Friday, uh, well, I want to say Bible study, but it's actually a lecture series on apologetics. You know, it's important to know what you believe, of course, but equally so, it's important to know why you believe it. How are you going to justify uh, being a Christian if you don't know why you became a Christian? Why do you believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God? Why do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Why do you believe in the Trinity? Why do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? All of these things are so important. And if you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. Read the Bible. Know what you believe and then be able to back it up with a clear, uh, concise answer of why you believe. Why do you believe? We talked about repenting and believing. Jesus said, repent and believe. Believe and repent. You know, you can't believe without repenting. And you can't repent without believing. You know, if that's, if you're going to, if you want to change in your life, those are two words that have to resonate in your heart. I believe. So I repent from my evil ways. You know, but why? Why did you make Jesus the Lord of your life? You know, that's apologetics. Apologetics is defending your faith. You know, uh, the Bible tells us uh, to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that lies within you and do it with gentleness and respect. One thing uh, I want to just say is we don't, we don't do this to win arguments. We do this to win hearts. I don't want to win an argument. I don't want to win a debate. I want to win hearts for the Lord. I want to I be able to tell people why I believe what I believe so that they might also believe. You know, we had a speaker uh, come out to the church a, a few years ago, and he said, "Just give them, just just put a shoe, uh, 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 just put a stone in their shoe, give them something to think about, give them something to think about." You know, and that's what apologetics does. So, uh, starting January the seventh, it'll be a five or six uh, week course, and we'll be doing a lecture series on apologetics. I hope you can come out and join us. It'll be at eight p.m. Uh, Friday nights, starting January the seventh. Uh, well, we're just about at the time. We're just about at that time where we're going to close the program. So I hope that uh, that you're having the merriest of Christmases. And if you've invited the Lord tonight, well, you just received the greatest Christmas present you could ever receive. You received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I just want to again thank you, Pastor Walter, for what an honor. For, thank for you for being Sam. with us. Thank you, Jose, for thank being you, our Jose. board engineer, being thank with you. us tonight. And uh, we'll be back here, God willing. We'll be back uh, next Saturday night. That's uh, New Year's night. I'm going to try and be here. <laughs> I'm hoping to be here live to take your calls. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. It's just been an amazing time with Pastor Walter. Uh, I'm just so appreciative that you took time out of your busy schedule to be with us tonight. So God willing, like I said, we'll be back next evening, uh, next Saturday night. Have a Merry Christmas, a Christ-centered Christmas. And remember, when you look around and you see all the symbols of Christmas, whether it's your Christmas tree or the lights, they all represent Jesus. They all come back to Jesus. Let's come back to Jesus. Well, God bless you. Uh, we'll see you next Saturday night at midnight. I hope you'll join us uh, for, for the new year. God bless you and good night.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.